Many parents have experienced anxiety over having the talk with their kids. How do I start? What should I say? How much should I say? In this two-part podcast, Noelle Cope, Advanced Practice Registered Nurse from Sarah Bush Lincoln Pediatrics, is going to provide us with some great advice and ideas for having the talk with your kids. We'll start with the first talk that she has with her 10- and 11-year-old patients. Part two of the podcast will cover topics for middle school age kids. So sit back, grab some paper and a pen because you might want to take some notes. And let's get started with Health Styles. Welcome to Health Styles, the podcast presented by Sarah Bush Lincoln. I'm your host, Lori Banks, and today I'm here with Noelle Cope. Uh, Noelle, before we get started with today's topic, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your practice here at Sarah Bush Lincoln. Um, Sure. I am a nurse practitioner here at Sarah Bush. I've worked here for 20 years. Uh, It seems like a long time, but it's only because I started when I was nine, so I'm not (laughs) as old as what you would all think. Um, I've been in pediatrics this whole time. I did family practice and internal medicine for a couple of years prior to moving here from Northwest Indiana. And besides doing general pediatrics here. I'm also our sexual abuse examiner for our 10 county area. So I wear a couple of different hats, but um, my full-time gig is here in the pediatric practice. All right. So that's Sarah Bush Lincoln Pediatrics, which is located here on the main campus of the health center in Prairie Pavilion 1. Yes. Our topic today is about having the talk with your kids, Um, an idea that can probably create some anxiety for a lot of parents out there. So, Noelle, what, are you, what do you think are some of the fears that parents have when they think about, oh, my gosh, it's time to talk to my kids about these topics? Um, I think depending on age, the fears are different things. One is they're afraid of giving too much information. They're afraid of not giving enough information. I feel like they're embarrassed to bring up a lot of the topics. Depending on how the conversation goes, they don't want it to appear that they're giving permission for something with some of the older kids. And I think some of it is just the child doesn't want to talk to their parent about it. So it's a lot easier for me to talk to kids because they nod their heads and they listen and they just kind of go with the flow where I can say as a parent, when I have these same discussions with my own, I get a lot of eye rolling. I get a lot of mom, stop talking about it. So I have to say it's a lot easier to have this conversation with other people's kids. Right. So things have changed a lot since we were kids. We're about the same age, I think. We grew up in the 70s and 80s, so things were a little simpler then. So So maybe you shouldn't probably use the talk that your mom and dad had with you, if you had one at all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what topics do you recommend parents talk to their kids about? And kind of at what age do you start with? You know, when do you start talking about sex with your kids? Okay. For example. So there's a couple of different things. One is let your child lead with some lead with the questions that they're asking you. So you can tell when your child's getting a little bit curious if they're, you know, at the age of eight or nine and they're noticing that there's definitely this difference, you know, they know there's a difference between boys and girls, but their bodies are starting to develop and they're hearing a few things at school um, or on social media, depending on what they're allowed to watch. And usually around eight or nine, both for boys and girls, that's a really good time just to start talking about general body changes. Um, kids are developing earlier now than what they did before. They are starting menstrual cycles earlier than they did before. So if you have an eight or a nine-year-old who's just starting with breast bud development, having to wear deodorant, um, a good place to start is just to say that 
both males and females have chemicals in their body that are causing different body changes, that everybody develops at their own rate, that breast bud development is normal both in boys and girls, and what that's going to feel like. It might be only on one side instead of two. It's a knot underneath the nipple. It can be painful because my experience is a lot of kids have this happen to them, but they wait to bring it up to their parent because they're actually afraid it's going to be something bad. So instead of saying, oh my gosh, I think this is bad, they actually wait and they worry about Mm -hmm. it. And then the parents worry about it. So age eight, nine, that's a great time for, you know, you're going to get some armpit hair. You might get some hair in your private area. Don't pluck those with the tweezers because believe it or not, we have kids that come in that do that because they didn't know it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. there. Um, You don't want to be the smelly kid in your classroom. Take showers, change your underwear, clean clothes. Um, that it sounds like basic stuff, but when we have these conversations, the moms are all like, see, I told you, because the kids always do a little bit better when they hear about it from us. As we get closer to fifth and sixth grade is when in my clinic, I start talking about um, some of the peer pressure things and some of the social things that also go along with body changes. Um, I will talk to the kids about smoking. Now, 20 years ago, we just talked about smoking. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about vaping. Now we talk about the electronic cigarettes and the jewels, um, which is another vape apparatus. But sometimes the kids don't know what vape is, but they know what a jewel is okay. because they see the ad plastered on you know, the gas station when they, when they leave. Um, so we talk about puberty, kind of the basics of peer pressure, social media, and then as we get closer to the, you know, eighth, ninth grade is when usually I'll have that full on conversation about sex, oral sex, alcohol, marijuana, um, you know, peer pressure associated with that. To be honest with you, though, we need to have that conversation a lot earlier because kids are being exposed to it a lot earlier. It's just hard because sixth grade, sometimes they're not quite ready for that. Mm-hmm. Ninth grade is the next mandatory time they have to come see us for school physicals. So if I get those 7th or 8th graders in for a sports physical, depending on how well I know my kids, a lot of times that's when I'll also kind of kick the door open and say, so I know you're here for your sports physical, but let's talk about a few more things. <laughs> so how do you kind of as a parent know if your child is ready to hear some of that? Um, some of it is based on their physical development mm-hmm. as far as, ooh, you know, uh, so-and-so is getting you know, breast development, and we probably need to start having some discussions because I don't want them to be surprised when a menstrual cycle starts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's based on their friends and watching those relationships with their peers. If their peers are a little bit more worldly, even though your kid isn't asking you questions, they're probably being exposed to a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely social media. I'm a big fan of holding off on social media with your preteens as long as you can. They're not missing out on anything. (laughs) If anything, it just makes things more dramatic and more difficult for them. But those are some, and then asking your child, you know, hey, do you hear, do people talk about this at school? Have you ever heard people talk about that? Do you know what that is? Just kind of throwing a few crumbs out there just to see what kind of response you get from your child if if they're ready for more information or Mm -hmm. if they're interested. All right. So Noelle does a talk, as she as she indicated earlier, when kids come in at certain points for certain physicals. So to help you parents out there, she is going to give us the talk that she gives to her patients. So hopefully this can help you out there when it's time for you to give the talk to your kids. So 
Let's pretend that I am the patient and I'm 11 years old. You are very mature. Well, thank you. And my mom and dad is in the exam room with me. So I'll turn it over to you. Parents, listen up. This is valuable stuff. Okay. Normally, when they come in for their sixth grade physical, we do some general talk just about how are things going with your friends? You know, any bullying situations? Um, Do you feel like you get bullied? Are you the bully? Um, And I started asking them about social media that they have. Are you allowed to have a phone already? Are you on Snapchat? Do you have an Instagram account? Things like that. So basically just get some some general information. One of the first topics that we start talking about, though, is the cigarettes. So if you're my patient, um, I'm going to say to you, uh, tell me three reasons why you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. Well, it's bad for you. Uh, It gives you stinky breath and... My mom and dad don't want me to do it. Okay, very good. What about vaping? Do you know what vaping is, or have you have you ever heard of jewels or electronic cigarettes, things like that? Oh yeah, when I go to the gas station with my mom, I see them all the time. They okay. look kind of cool though. Yeah. Now, do you think because those don't have a really smelly cigarette smoke, and you can do them inside of buildings, and people don't even know you're doing it, is that safer than smoking a regular cigarette? Mm, probably. And that's when we usually correct you and say, no, it's not. And so um, the thing with the e-cigarettes and the vaping is that those are actually worse for you than regular cigarettes. So we don't want you to smoke cigarettes. We don't want you to vape. Anything you're breathing inside of your lungs other than oxygen is not going to be a good idea. The problem with the electronic cigarettes is that um, they are easy to hide. They're easy to access, but there's more nicotine in those apparatuses than just smoking a regular cigarette. You're also breathing in oils that are going to coat the inside of your lungs and are going to cause a major issue with your lungs much faster than cigarette smoke. So that doesn't mean we want you to smoke cigarettes either. We want you to stay away from it because, as you just told me, it's addicting. It gives you smelly breath. There's not a single good thing, you know, about it. Now, what if one of your friends says to you, though, hey, I snuck one of my brother's jewels or I snuck a cigarette. Let's try it. What are you going to say? No. What if she's like, well, you suck and you're a baby and I don't want to hang out with you because you're such a chicken. You won't even try it. That's kind of hard because she's really my best friend and we do everything together. And so that's the thing that you need to remember is that you should make choices that are good for you. Your friends should never talk you into making bad choices or bad decisions. You're all supposed to be on the same team. So if your friend's making fun of you and calling you names, number one, they're not a very good friend. So it's time to revisit that. And just because you've been friends with somebody since you were in first grade doesn't mean you're going to keep being BFFs through middle school and through high school. So you're going to find as you get older that friendships change. So just know that that's okay. Second thing is if you know inside your head and in your belly that you shouldn't be doing it and you have to sneak it and hide it from your mom or hide it from a teacher and make sure people don't find out about it, that's a really good indication that you're not supposed to be doing it. So at that point, you either need to find new friends or say, hey, I don't want to do that because of these reasons. And then you may end up talking your friend out of doing something that's risky as well. So you're being the more mature person in that situation. But it's always good to think about these things before you become exposed to it. So moms, dads, this is when there are certain situations that are going to come up that you almost do want to role play with your child and say, well, how would you respond in it? Because when I ask you guys in the room, it is it does put you on the spot. We all tend to stumble over our words. We're not sure what the right thing to say is. So different situations As corny as it sounds, it's actually good to kind of rehearse what some of those things are going to be. 
Um, but you're exactly right. Not a single good reason to smoke cigarettes, not a single good reason to vape. Um, the other thing that you're going to notice is when it comes to phones and social media and texting is everybody has different rules at their house. Some parents will allow their kids to have a phone when they're a fourth grader. Some aren't going to allow it until they're a seventh or eighth grader. And no parent is right or wrong. Every house has their own rules. So you worry about your mom and dad's rules. Don't worry about everybody else's rules. And the thing with social media is you think you're missing out if you don't have your phone. But really what happens with social media is we all already are a bit insecure. I'm insecure. I'm, I'm old. I'm 48. And there are times where if I see people are doing something and I got left out, it can hurt your feelings. Or people make comments on social media that are not kind. And there's things that people wouldn't say to somebody's face. They tend to be very free about posting things on social media because there's not a consequence to that. So hold off on social media as long as you can. Don't be in a rush because it's, there's not a lot of benefits to it, to be honest with you. It's all silly stuff that people post anyway. The other thing is you're going to notice that your body's changing a lot. So everybody's bodies develop at different rates. You have some 10 and 11 year olds that are already having to wear a bra that have may have started a menstrual cycle or a period already um, that are having to wear deodorant, things like that. You have some and look like they might be 13 or 14. Then you have 10, some 10 and 11 year olds that are that look like they're second or third graders. They're short, they're tiny, um, not a single breast bud in sight. And when you are the last one to develop and change, it makes you very self-conscious. When you're the first one to develop and change, it makes you self-conscious. When you're in the middle and nothing is happening or you have a few things happening, that makes you very self-conscious. So frankly, nobody's super excited about where their body's at during this period of time. Um, you don't want to be the last, but you don't want to be the first. And then people are very quick to comment when everybody looks different. So that tall kid in your class, particularly that tall girl, for you to say, wow, you know, to make fun and to say, oh, you're tall. She knows she's tall. She doesn't need you to tell her. Um, this is also a, what I call a fluffy stage. You guys are all going to get a little bit fluffy. You tend to gain a little bit more weight before you get taller, and that's awkward. And again, your friends know when they're going through that fluffy stage. They don't need you to comment on that. Um, this age in particular, a lot of boys will wear their T-shirts at the swimming pool, and it's because they're developing little man boobs. So they're getting some breast tissue because males have breast tissue, just like females do. Um, in fact, there's a small percentage, 3 to 5% of men will get breast cancer um, in their lifetime as an adult. And if your friends are wearing their t-shirts at the pool, don't make fun of them. Don't ask them why they're wearing it. Um, don't twist or squeeze on their chest area like it's a big joke because it's not. You wouldn't like someone to do that to you. And so just know that Everybody's a little insecure, and when we're insecure, we tend to tease people. So again, that's just a reminder to you guys just to be kind about it and know that everybody's bodies will develop at the rate that they're supposed to. That being said, don't be in a rush to shave your legs, girls, because once you start, you have to keep doing it. So if the only reason you want to shave your legs is because your friends are doing it, bad reason. So if you want your hair to grow in prickly and have to do it all the time, by all means, shave your legs. Or if it truly does bother you to the point where it's distressing, talk to your mom about it and she can make sure that you're doing it the right way so that you're not cutting yourself. You may even use some of those Nair creams because it won't grow in as prickly, things like that. But you will start to notice that you're going to get hair in your armpit area, hair in your private area, um, hairier legs. And the boys are going to get hair in all those same areas. 
Um, and that's supposed to happen. That just means your body's changing at the rate that, that it's supposed to. Sometimes girls and boys will both get a little bit of breast bud development that is painful and it will be underneath the nipple. And it tends to be one side instead of both simultaneously. And it will usually be kind of puffy, tender. If it's red, hot, or having discharge from the nipple, then that's something to seek medical care about. Um, or if you're worried, by all means, we're more than happy to assess your child for that. But typically what happens with breast bud development is it can be fairly painful. Um, gynecomastia is the other word for it. And that does happen to males and females alike. Um, the other thing is we encourage you guys not to be the smelly kid. So when your mom and dad tell you, put deodorant on, that means you need to put the deodorant on. Your parents are not going to steer you wrong. When you're in the shower, you need to use soap. Getting wet in the shower is not the same as showering. So we need to use soap when we're in the shower, and you need to use it on your armpits and your booty crack and your your um, genital area and your feet and your legs. Um, make sure that you're using soap everywhere. And washing your hair means using shampoo. It doesn't mean just getting your hair wet. You need to use shampoo and lather up. Um, but that shampoo dripping down your body does not take the place of washing with the soap we discussed the first time around. So you want to make sure that you're doing all of that. And when you get out of the shower, hang your towels up. Quit leaving them on the floor. We don't want to step on your wet towels, nor do we want to step on your dirty underwear or your dirty clothes. So put that stuff in the dirty wash, hang up your towels, and be respectful that other people are going to be using that bathroom after you. And try and keep your space clean. And again, by all means, make sure that you're at least wearing clean underwear, clean socks every day. Um, don't sleep in your clothes, wear them the next day, put on something new and something fresh. Um, the other thing that you guys typically are going to see at this age is that your mom and dad are going to say no a lot, way more than you want them to. And I will tell you that when your mom and I, or your dad and I were kids, we said that we would never be mean like that, that we were never going to say, I told you so, um, or because I said so, and that we were definitely going to be more fun parents. And then we became parents. And then we realized that our parents really weren't so bad and they weren't wrong. There's lots of reasons that our parents say no. Um, number one, you're not old enough to do it. So you're only 11. You think you're older than 11, but you're not. And this is where everybody's friends tend to have different rules. So this kind of goes back to the whole earlier conversation about you worry about what your house rules are. Um, you have a BFF who is allowed to ride her bike uptown and doesn't really have to let her parents know where she's at and doesn't necessarily have to check in or be back at a certain time. When you're 11, you think that's awesome. That's great. There's no rules. But believe it or not, having rules and knowing what those rules are and having what we like to call a box helps you make better choices and better decisions. So. Um, your mom may say, it's not that it's naughty to do that. I just don't think you're ready for that type of responsibility. So if you were 12 or 13, maybe I'd let you do that. But you're only 11. So at this point, our house rules are going to follow this suit. Um, it doesn't mean that your friend's parents aren't good parents or don't care about their child. It means their house rules are different and everybody's allowed to, to do that. So um, the number one thing is your age. Second thing is your friends. When we like your friends, we think your friends are respectful. We like the way they treat you. We like the way they treat us. Um, they're polite when they come over. Those are all things that are definitely going to work in your favor. If we think that they're responsible enough to make good choices and good decisions, and then we're probably going to let you do things with those kids. If you have friends that are sassy, sneaky, disrespectful, um, you know, we all know 
everybody's parents and we hear things. So if we're hearing things that aren't necessarily positive, probably not going to let you do as many things with that kid. And again, not that they're a bad kid, but maybe they're not making choices and decisions that we really want you to be around very often. The other thing is your friend's parents. If we know your friend's parents, we're probably going to let you go over there. Maybe for a sleepover, maybe not. Again, that's a house rule. Um, but we're more likely to let you go over there and hang out if we feel comfortable. We know it's safe. We know that there's not anything weird going on. We know that there's some supervision and we get a, a good feeling about it. We're probably going to let you go there. If we have even one little inkling that something over there is not right or weird, probably going to say no. That's when we're going to tell you to have your friends over at our house, which then makes you upset because your house is boring uh, compared to the other person's house. But again, the issue isn't us trying to be mean. It's we really don't want to put you in a situation that could possibly be unsafe. And you're going to offer us all sorts of excuses. They're really nice. If you just met the mom and dad, you'd like them. And maybe we would. And so that's why, you know, get your friend's phone number. I'm happy to call the mom and say, hi, I'm so-and-so's parent. I understand my kid wants to come over today. would love to meet you before that happens. And us parents are going to do those lame things just like that, even though we said when we were kids, we would never do that. Um, the other reason that we say no is sometimes we just get a weird feeling in our belly. Um, it's the same weird feeling that you're going to get when something just doesn't feel right. And my advice to you is to always trust that feeling. If you find yourself in a situation with another adult, with another kid, and somebody's giving you the heebie-jeebies, do you know? Um, so do you know what the heebie-jeebie feeling is? Have you mm -hmm. ever? Yeah. yeah. You get that weird feeling in your belly. Something doesn't feel right. Sometimes you can actually feel the hair on your body kind of prickle. And it doesn't mean that somebody, they may not be saying anything to you. They may not be touching you. They may not be doing anything obvious. It's just a feeling that you're getting. So my advice is when you get that feeling, no matter who it is, no matter where it's at, you get yourself out of that situation. Um, but sometimes us parents also get that feeling and we can't explain it. Something just doesn't feel right. We don't think it's a good idea for you to be able to go and do something. And so then that's when you're going to get the famous, because I told you so. And um, that's because we don't, we can't always articulate what it is, but we just know that something about that just does not seem comfortable and we're going to have to say no to that. So, um, and when it comes to that heebie-jeebie feeling, um, just kind of remember that your body is going through a lot of changes and your body is your own. Nobody should ever touch your body in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable or make comments about it. And your parents have lectured you on this since probably preschool and kindergarten, and you've had people come in and talk to your classes. And I think sometimes as we get older, we think that those things only happen to little kids. Um, but I can tell you that those things happen to big kids all the time. Um, because typically, if somebody's going to make us uncomfortable, it's somebody that we know. It's somebody that we feel bad by telling on them or being saying no and possibly being disrespectful, but your body is your own. So I don't care if it's a teacher, one of your friend's parents, somebody's brother, one of your own parents. If somebody's making you uncomfortable, it's okay to speak up and say, don't do that. Don't talk to me that way. Um, you don't have to give people hugs if they creep you out. You know, uh, If you're at a sleepover and somebody's dad or brother smacks your booty when they, you walk by, aren't you growing up? Or hugs you and kisses you on your cheek and you're like, creepy. Um, it's okay to 
push yourself away and make sure that you're not finding yourself in that situation. And by all means, you can always call a parent to come pick you up if you find yourself in that situation. Um, a really good way to get out of things is to tell people you're going to puke. Nobody wants to be around anyone that's going to vomit. So a good way, no matter what your age is, of getting out of something that you don't want to do or you want to leave somewhere where you're at, all you have to do is start saying, man, you know, I've got this stomach ache I've had since this morning. Oh, I feel, I think I might throw up and people are going to show you the door and call your parent for you. So vomiting, ding, 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 number one way to get out of things that you that you don't want to find yourself in. Um, but I guess the, the takeaway from that is just know that, you know, at your age now at 11 and 12, there's just a lot going on with everybody's body. We don't know how everybody feels about everything. There's a lot of insecurities we don't share with people. Everybody has very different house rules, and it's difficult to kind of figure out where you fit into that. So just do remember that your parents' goal is not to torture you. Our goal is to keep you safe and, and keep things age appropriate. So when we do say no, we're not trying to torture you. Now, how do you get your parents to say yes more than no? That's always the good part. Um, show them you can be responsible. You're making good choices and good decisions. If you are someplace and your friends are doing things you know that you shouldn't be around, let them know, hey guys, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this. I'm gonna go home and have a talk with your mom. Yeah, I left because they started talking about this or they were gonna go uptown and I know you don't want me to go. So I just chose to come home instead. And it is better to ask for permission than for forgiveness. So you're better off, you know, asking your parent before you just assume it would be okay um, with other kids being able to do it. Um, the other part of that is you're human. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. And some of your mistakes are going to be little ones, and some of them are going to be big ones. So remember, no matter, again, no matter your age, whether you're 11 or whether you're 21, we would much rather hear about those mistakes from you. We don't want the phone call from the teacher or the random adult um, that says, hey, your kid did this. So when you do know you've screwed up, and you will, as hard as it is, sometimes you just have to say, mom, dad, can I talk to you about something? Let them know what you did, why you wouldn't do it again, what lesson you learned from it, and your mom and dad are gonna have a conversation with you instead of being really upset and angry because they found out about it through another source. So you're actually gonna earn a few brownie points by um, having that conversation with them. So there's all sorts of ways that you can, you know, get your parents to, to say yes. But ultimately, yeah, we're not doing it to torture you. It's because we love you and we care about you. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> parents can just play this back, say, listen to this. There you go. <laughs> so what's been the reaction like when you have this conversation with these kids? What do the parents say happens after they leave the office? Do you ever hear back? I do. I hear back, actually, even in the exam room, when we start talking about hygiene in particular, the parents are like, see, I'm not the only one that's telling you that. Or I have parents that will say, um, you know, at the next visit, you really just kind of kicked the door open for me to say to my kid in the car, well, dang, what'd you think about that? You know, like, Noelle threw a lot of things at you. How did that make you feel? Um, what do you think about that? So it was a good... Um, talking point for the parents as far as there's a good follow-up. They didn't have to initiate that conversation. They saw that their child did listen. A lot of them ask really great questions. And so it's a good way for parents to kind of follow up on some of that. Mm -hmm. And it came from someone other than them. So it automatically made it 
better. I just don't get that with my own kids. I have to do that through everybody else's. And this is really the conversation starter. It, this should continue on. Yes, most definitely. This is just a starter because, um, yes, these things. And for some kids, it might have to be earlier. You know, if you have an eight-year-old daughter who has started her menstrual cycle at the age of eight or nine, not only do you have to have that talk, but you're kind of late in the game because those body changes happened. But now you have to take that a step further, and you do need to have that sex talk, that reproductive talk, because now you have an eight or a nine-year-old that physically is capable of getting pregnant, and they need to know that next step so that they're aware and they don't become a potential victim. And that's mm -hmm. really hard as a parent to wrap your head around because most of us don't think that way. It doesn't even cross our mind that our child at that age could get pregnant, yeah. but they it, most definitely can if they're having periods. Happened. Yes, yeah. it does happen. Yeah. So this invariably comes up with parents. The kid, their kid says, hey, mom, where do babies come from? At what kind of what age does that happen and how should parents respond? Um, the age varies, but typically I would say between the ages of about 10 and 11 tends to be when they're mature enough to handle the information. Their bodies are starting to do some changes. So it's a natural progression of having that talk. They may have started to hear a little bit from their peers already. School is going to start talking about body changes to both the boys and the girls separately, of course, because God forbid we talk about it together. So that typically is a good time, and there are a lot of resources now. I have a couple books here that I tend to show some of the parents. One of the best ones is one that my parents gave me way back in the day. <laughs> it's from the 1970s, and it's just called Where Did I Come From? And it's kind of cartoony, but you know, the little sperm has a top hat on it. But <laughs> it's it talks about the body parts, and it shows like a cartoon picture of a penis and of like a vaginal area, but it's not so technical and book-like that they don't know what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. It's still... Because it's a cartoon, it's still a little bit childlike and makes it a little bit more comfortable without the parent having to now explain what these pictures are. And I can remember when I gave it to my son, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast, and he had told me he's a hunter and he's into animals. And he said, Mom, I already know how all this mating thing, how this works. And I said, okay. I said, well, here, sit down and read the book. So as he's reading the book, he's looking up over the top at me and he looks back down. <laughs> And he's looking back up, and he gets done, and he closes it. And I said, well, is that what you expected? And he goes, not even close. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought you knew everything. He goes, that's not what I thought all those, that's not what I thought happened. <laughs> I didn't know there were eggs, you know. And so then the next thing I did was I got a book about common questions that boys have that really talked about wet dreams and erections and what happens when you get an erection in an unpleasant or inappropriate situation. But it also talks about, for the girls too, um, questions that they might have. And it talks about masturbation. All these questions that as a parent were like, okay, I'm all right telling you about the birds and the bees, but as soon as you tell me or ask me questions about masturbating, you lost me. So again, <laughs> find book, a book. <laughs> find a book. So the book is made for adolescents, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's got some good talking points like, hey, why don't you read a couple of these sections? And then afterwards you can say, you know, did you have any questions about that? You know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but it's important information. This is all normal. These things happen to everybody. Um, but it also allows your child to 
have a little bit of privacy and looking at some of the information mm -hmm. without being uncomfortable. Let them so, kind of read it and digest it first on their own. Correct. And then come back with questions. So, but again, if you have that child who's maturing a bit quicker, you might be having some of those conversations at eight or nine. Yeah. But typically around 10, 11 is when maturity wise, they're ready to handle a lot of that information you're giving them. Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. You're great at this. You got 20 years of, of giving this for, for kids. And I think that information you just provided is going to be so helpful for parents out there just to figure out how to say it, when to say it, how often to say it. It's been great. Thank you. And yeah, it is tricky. And of course, it varies, you know, patient to patient and situation to situation. But kids are normally really receptive to it. They actually do ask quite a few questions mm -hmm. or and the same response. The parents are like, thank you for that, because I didn't know how to bring it up without my child being uncomfortable or me being mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Or I'm afraid my kids can ask me what I did in high school. And I didn't really want to have that conversation. <laughs> um, so hopefully it does kick that door open for them and allows them to have some communication, but it also lets my patients know that I'm comfortable talking about it. All right. Well, Noelle, thank you so much for, for doing this podcast. Not a problem. My pleasure. In part two of this podcast, Noelle will tackle the topics for middle school students, what she calls her sex, drugs, and rock and roll talk. To learn more about health services provided by Sarah Bush Lingen, visit our website at sarahbush.org and be sure to subscribe to our podcasts. Thanks for listening.